0: everyone, this is LaVonda and I'm so excited to welcome Leslie Strain to our podcast today. Leslie is a coworker of mine at Veritex Bank and as you all know, we are using the month of October to talk about breast cancer awareness and I just first want to thank Leslie for coming on the show and sharing her story and what her hopes are for all of us women who may be facing breast cancers as well as men, so Leslie, welcome to the show. Thank you so much. So Leslie, I'm interested because I think people may not always know everyone's story, right? And if you don't mind, would you mind telling us a little bit about your story and how you found out about your diagnosis?
1: Absolutely. So I went in for a routine mammogram. So I'm a big proponent of women keeping their mammogram appointments, doing them on an annual basis. They discovered that I had two different types of breast cancer, one in each breast so that just launched the whole process of having a double mastectomy, followed by chemo and radiation and reconstructive surgery. Um, okay. All happened within 12 months.
0: So you went in for your routine exam, they discovered it, and so everything, the chemo, the surgery, everything within 12 months? Yes. Wow. It. That it was, was a, actually pretty quick. Did you catch it in the early stages
1: then? They did. So I was stage two and... They were able to get rid of everything. And so I've been cancer-free for eight years.
0: Wow, congratulations. That's amazing. Talk to us a little bit about, you know, when you got the diagnosis, one of the things I want to do on this show, my particular cause for this one is not making cancer the scariest thing you're going to hear, even though it is. I think most of us, when we hear the word, would kind of go, okay, what, what does that mean? Especially until you find out what you're going to be doing. Tell us how you felt about it when you got your diagnosis. And what did you do to rapidly, how do we fix this? How do I get through this?
1: You're right. It was a very scary call to get it when they confirmed that I had cancer. And then they said I had two different types. And I thought, well, if you're going to go big, go big, I guess. Which made my decision to have a double mastectomy fairly straightforward my husband and family super super supportive but the first thing they told me was you need to find a breast surgeon and i thought i have no idea how i go about right. doing that i mean that's um, one of my Rolodex, right right so i reached out to some friends that i knew had walked this journey before got some great information and contacts from them they were able to get me in for an evaluation with the surgeon and then of course they partner you with a plastic surgeon i didn't know that was going to be coming There were all kinds of biopsies. And I spent a lot of time in the hospital just having tests and getting evaluated for what was going to be the best protocol for me for success. My oncologist was very encouraging. She did let me know the good, the bad, and the ugly in between. Um, They have a course that you actually go through to kind of walk you through it because I didn't know what an infusion room was or what it was going to be like to have two different types of chemo and then what radiation, you know, it was all foreign. So, I felt exactly. like they did a wonderful job educating us on what to do and what was going to be expected. I kept a very positive attitude. I tried to inform as many people who were asking about my progress, keeping them informed because their feedback was such an encouragement to me as well. And I will confess, there were days that were very hard, that were scary, but through the whole thing, I know the Lord was walking us through the path and He just opened up a lot of doors. And so, It has been a wonderful story for me to be able to share with others and to be a resource for them as they're walking the same path that I went through.
0: I love that story. I think admitting that it's scary, but also saying, listen, I'm going to tell others. I don't want to be afraid to share my story so I can help others, but also it helped me to share my story. That's what I'm hearing from you.
1: Absolutely. It was an encouragement to hear what others had walked through. So I kind of had some expectations of what I might experience. And then I could let them know everybody's path is just a little bit different. But if you have a general overall understanding of what you're going to be doing and what's going to be happening, then for me, that gave me a lot of peace. I like to know what's going to be coming (laughs) in something like (laughs) that. I did appreciate that. And then just the support of, of family and friends continuing to to rally and pray for us. It was a blessing. That's wonderful news. And
0: One of the things I want to talk about is how can we make like even our company or any company for people not to be afraid to talk about this, right? This is something that happens to a lot of people and that we don't want people to be afraid to openly admit to it, I guess, to some Mm -hmm. degree, but find the strength to within your work family as well as your personal family.
1: And it is such a personal issue that sometimes that in itself can be what is the hard thing to get over. I'm just sharing, okay, this has happened. And I didn't have a history of cancer in my family, so it was very unexpected. So to me, I want to communicate that message more because I think sometimes we get in a comfort zone of thinking, well, I don't have a family history. I don't have any precursors. So the chances are are really low. And that may be the case, but that wasn't my story. And so by sharing that where here I was, a fairly healthy, active female, and I had two different types. I like to share my story with those who are thinking, you know, I don't want to do my mammogram or I'm nervous about going to see a doctor or whatever it might be. I want to share it as an encouragement because we have come so far in the way that we treat cancer and the success Ah. rates are continuing to improve. So I think when we can come alongside our coworkers and be that source of encouragement and be that sounding board when they're having a tough day, help them know that they're not alone. If you can walk it with a village, do it. Get your village around you, and be open to sharing that information because you're going to find encouragement in surprising places. So, by telling your story, you may be helping others and encouraging each person as they walk that path. is rewarding for all involved.
0: I love that. I thank you for sharing that. I think the one of the biggest things that I, I mean, I listened to you about. I think most of us, as you know, I as my cancer diagnosis a few months ago, I, I didn't have a family history either. So, right. but I listened to my body and I was very diligent about going and getting exams and doing the right thing. And so, but it, even though it's scary to hear it, I took preventative measures and listened. I caught things early, right? And so right. I think that's really important. And you know, I really wasn't sure if I wanted to share all the news, but I was encouraged by Malcolm and uh-huh. by Got coy you got to ha- let others help you. You got to let others, you know, care for you to do those things. And so that was something I wasn't used to. It had nothing to do with not, I'm just, just right. not, that's not my personality, but it
1: really did help. Right. And and once you go through the path and look back, it's like, oh, I can't imagine doing that alone. Right. There's a lot of unexpected, not surprises, but just things that aren't part of your normal day-to-day life.
0: Exactly. We I love, Leslie, the way you talked about putting that village around you. So you've been cancer-free for eight years. What things do you do to make sure you're staying cancer-free or still working on preventative care?
1: So I do have annual checkups with my oncologist. Thankfully, she has considered me cured. So that is very exciting news. That's awesome. um, The main thing she has continued to encourage is to exercise and to eat well. So those are two things that I try to focus on. Um, just to ensure that I do not have a reoccurrence in the future.
0: That's amazing. Well, Leslie, I'm so excited to talk to you about this. I I think one of the things that I gather from you is that there is hope for everyone. And please go get your checkups that you can get, listen to your body, and gather a village around you to walk through any type of a diagnosis you may receive.
1: Absolutely. Yes. And thank you so much for putting a spotlight on this incredible and important healthcare issue. And I just love the support that Veritex gives to all of those walking through this path, whether it's breast cancer or any other type, um, just the support from this organization is amazing.
0: Well, thanks, Leslie. We appreciate it. Thanks for being on the show today. Thank you. welcome to the show I'm so excited I have another one of our veritex employees with us shalita seals works in our finance department shalita welcome to the show thank you so much thank you for having well, me well we're so excited to have you and i just again want to thank you for you know being open to the opportunity of sharing your story and talking about your cancer diagnosis and what it meant to you and, you know, some of the reasons what your purpose is, why you want to make sure people know your story and how they can look at you and say, listen, I can do this too. So if you don't mind, why don't you tell us a little bit about your story? Okay, absolutely. The biggest
2: awareness point that I want to get over is that all breast cancers are not detected by image imaging screening. Uh, the type of cancer that I had, which was invasive lobier carcinoma was not detected uh, in my mammogram. I do have a family history of uh, breast cancer in my family on my mother's side. So I was very persistent about getting my annual breast exams through mammograms Mm -hmm. uh, between uh, the ages 35 through 48 when I was diagnosed. I was diagnosed in January, 2015. In that October prior to that, I had had a mammogram that came back clear but in about November, December time, I was doing a self-breast exam and felt a mass. So I uh, called my primary care physician and uh, she took a look too. And sh- so she sent me on to uh, have a sonogram. Mm-hmm. And when I had the sonogram, they did detect something. So we did a biopsy immediately. And that's when I was diagnosed. Okay. So it was early detection. And I was persistent about getting my mammograms, my screenings, like we should, but it's also very important to do your self-breast exam.
0: Oh, awesome news. Thank you. I think that's, you know, you don't want to rely on oh, it this year, so I don't have to see, do anything else. I had my breast exam, so I'm good right. for a year, right? Yeah. A little uh, swayed into that, that part of it. So I love that that's a different part of your story than mm-hmm. what we've heard, you're adamant about getting them, but that's not how it was detected. You were you were really took you were an advocate for your own health. Yes. Was that happening because of your history, your family history? You knew that you needed to be more uh, self aware of what was going on with your yes. own body.
2: Okay. Primarily because my uh, my mom has not had cancer, but my grandmother was a survivor, and she lived not until she was ninety seven, but she was diagnosed in her eighties. But uh, three of her daughters had breast cancer, and then three of her granddaughters, me included. So, yes, I was very much aware that early detection was key, and so I was faithful about res- getting my mammograms. But I was, really was unaware that the ma- mammograms would not catch everything. So well, That's
0: interesting. You, yeah. Shalita, you talked a lot about, you. you know, did self-examination, and you had family history of breast cancer in your family. Did you happen to have the testing, the BRCA gene testing?
2: Yes. As a cancer patient, uh, your doctors, your team usually uh, set you up to have some genetic testing. And my family, my sister, my mom, and I, we have tested and we do not have the BRCA gene, which is a mutation that causes um, breast cancer. Uh, So usually as a, a cancer patient, you will be asked to do some genetic testing.
0: Okay. That's good to know because I think there might be some misconceptions out there is that most cancer patients had the BRCA gene. And so, you know, that's how you get it. But you didn't have that. You just had a family history. So that's yeah. great to know as well. Yes.
2: Be aggressive, especially if you have a family history. Do yourself breast exam so you are you're familiar with your own breasts. And so those I- should be done about three to five days after your menstrual cycle. Okay, and uh, just if you feel something different, even if you got a clear mammogram, just be persistent. Go back to your doctor and have a talk with them. It never hurts to push for a sonogram.
0: Do you think I'm going to ask you a question? Because I think sometimes as women, we have a tendency to go, we're so busy taking Mm -hmm. care of families and things like that. It's like, oh, I just bruised myself or I'm just tired. But what I hear you saying is don't do that.
2: No, don't do that. I had had a conversation with my sister. Um, I remember I was on the phone around Thanksgiving and I mentioned it to her. I said, you know, I just had a mammogram, but I feel something and it's causing a little bit of pain in my neck. And she was like, you get that checked out. You get it checked out. (laughs) And I also had mentioned it to my husband. So you really need, you know, mention to people don't just sit on it. Um, It's good to talk about your health to others that love you.
0: I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that aspect of it because I think that's important. Right. And we were talking about a little bit earlier in our show about, you know, sometimes the word cancer in the workplace, people are afraid to say, well, I've been diagnosed with cancer because they're afraid, you know, maybe how they're perceived or if they have to be ill or, you know, whatever they're going through personally. And even though I don't want anyone to feel like their privacy has been, you know, invaded or like that. What I don't want to have at work is that you don't feel like you have a place to feel comfortable talking about something that you want to talk about. You should feel, I want a a place of openness and that, because that openness, what I feel like is that, you know, maybe we can help somebody else who may be going through it. I had a similar situation. I told a nurse friend of mine, hey, I'm having this symptom. She goes, you get your butt to the doctor. And so I did early and mm-hmm. was able to catch mine very, very early as well. But because I talked about it and didn't keep it kind of um, like under wraps, someone, you know, prompted me to, you need to go get that checked out. That doesn't sound right. Go ahead and go. So, Absolutely. Yeah. So let me ask you this question, Shalita. After you had your diagnosis, and how long have you been cancer-free? Eight years. Eight wonderful years. Eight, yes. That's yes. awesome. That's mm-hmm. awesome. So what would be your purpose what do you hope to gain by sharing your story?
2: Support is very important. And like you mentioned, don't be afraid to share your story. I mean, there may be some private parts about it, but I think a part of healing and striving and surviving and thriving is just sharing your story. It can, any piece of it can help others. I mean, it is very scary to go through, but when people see that you look healthy and that you got you made it through it, and, you know, you've survived it eight years or however many years. I think it can be encouraging to others that are embarking upon this fight.
0: Yeah. So that's something I was talking to you a little bit earlier about. It's like, you know, if someone tells you you have cancer, it's either fight or flight, right? And right. and cancer is fighting, no matter what your diagnosis is, yes. but fighting through that. I want to ask you a question about this, Shalita. How do we help more women, not just through our work life, through our work family that we work with, how do we make sure that women know, how do we get the word out better to women to take care of their body and be an advocate for their health? What can we do other than this podcast and by talking to people, is there anything you think that you've seen when you are going through it, what's missing that we can do a better job at?
2: I think uh, self-care is just so important. We just, I I think even in our relationships at work and with other people, you know, if you go work out, take someone with you. Um, If you're eating healthier or if you have some type of health plan that you're on, encourage others to join you. It's it's so much better when you, you know, you have someone to help you stay accountable. But self-care not just say it uh, because it's the thing to say, but really put it in action. Like I love Pilates, I don't make it every single week, but I invite friends to come with me and try the free classes. So I think just self-care and things that you do to um, help to manage your, your mental, your physical, you know, your stress levels, your family, just, you know, share that with your coworkers and friends and you can encourage one another but we really, self-care is so important because as women, as you mentioned earlier, we're so busy taking care of others, but we're unable to unless we stay healthy.
0: That's awesome. Thank you for sharing that. I want to thank you, Shlee, for sharing your story with us. It's so empowering to know that, you know, every story we listened to had a different angle Mm -hmm. where the mammogram found it or whatever. So, and I think your point is one I really want to drive home is that everyone's story is just a little different. Yes. So no matter what someone else's story was, you have to find your own, and yours is going to be a little bit different path.
2: Absolutely. The word is that breast cancer isn't always found through, you know, your imaging screenings. If you feel like you need a sonogram, ask for one. Be assertive. Be intentional about your health. You know, if you think you need one, get one. Right. And um, early detection is key. I don't know how much I can say that. Everybody knows if you can find it early, and it doesn't always give symptoms. That's why you need to do your self breast exams so you're familiar with your breast so that if anything feels abnormal, you can act on it. Yeah. And support. I just want to say how important support is from your family, from your friends, your church group, your coworkers. You know, don't be afraid to uh, talk about it. You don't have to talk about all the intimate details, but people can encourage you. They want to help you. They want to support you. Much easier to get through the fight if you have that
0: support. Oh, I love that. No matter where you find it, right? People find support in different areas. Everyone's a little bit different. But thank you, Shalita, for talking about that. I I love the way you talked about that, especially about just knowing your own body and being an advocate for your own health. Thank you for sharing those, those important words. Thank you, Shalita. So welcome back to the show today. I'm so excited. As you know, we've been talking to several people that either work at the bank or some friends of the bank about breast cancer awareness month. And I'm so excited to talk today to someone I love working with every day, Beth Savanoa, who works in our marketing department. And Beth and I've had lots of fun conversations around this and, you know, really made me think about how we talk about cancer and how we look at it a little differently. But before we get started on that, I just want to ask Beth if she wouldn't mind talking about her story and just give us a little bit of background on that. So welcome to the show, Beth.
3: Oh, thanks, LaVonda. I'm happy to be here. We're talking about, oddly enough, one of my favorite subjects. Cancer. Isn't that wild? <laughs> I have such experience with it these days. It's one of the few things I'm authorized to speak on. <laughs> I get it. <laughs> so I'm actually a two-time cancer survivor. I had breast cancer when I was 45. And then about five years later, I had a very rare stomach cancer called a gastrointestinal stromal tumor. Let's start with the first one. And I think important to mention that I have no cancer history in my family. No one in my family has had cancer but me, and I've had it twice. So I've taken one for the team. I really have. But when I was in my 40s, my doctor started recommending annual mammograms at age 40. And so he was pretty conservative. So I got started with that and never missed, always went. Um, The time that I went in 2013, when I was 45, I received a letter a few weeks after my mammogram indicating that I had dense breast tissue and I should call my doctor to find out if I needed to do further screening. I was kind of alarmed by that. I'd never yeah. seen that before. And, and we'll talk about why we get that in the mail, us women in Texas in a minute. But I called my doctor and I had sent them a copy and they said, you know what, that that is really common. Don't worry about it. Don't be alarmed. We'll put it in your file. And I said, Okay. So I went on my merry way. And about nine months later, I rolled over in my bed one night and I thought I rolled over on a pebble. Mm -hmm. I literally jumped out of my bed. Not that I have rocks in my bed, but I jumped out (laughs) of my bed and I start like pressing down on the sheet, trying to figure out what I rolled over on. And then I realized I didn't roll over on anything. It's inside of me. I called my doctor. I was kind of alarmed. And she said, come in. And and she said, you know, I don't know what that is, but that needs to come out. And I said, you mean surgery? And she said, yes, you need to see a breast surgeon. And I was like, oh my gosh. And so I made an appointment and long story short, my mammogram indicated that I had dense breast tissue, which was what the letter was about. And because of that, when I went back for further screening, they did a sonogram and they did find a tumor, which they biopsied. And one thing led to the other. And then I was off to the races with breast cancer. That letter was more important than I realized. And a lot of women don't know this, but there's actually a real estate agent in Lakewood named Hinda Salmarin. And Mm -hmm. when she was diagnosed with breast cancer, she also had dense breast tissue and didn't know it. And didn't realize that if you have dense breast tissue and you're getting a mammogram, that's like looking for a snowball in a snowstorm. You're not going to be able to see any type of tumor. She jumped up and down in Austin and got this law passed, and it's called Henda's Law, and it started January 1st of 2012, and that's why we get this letter in the mail if, in fact, we have dense breast tissue that indicates we need further screening. Unfortunately, in 2013, when I got that letter, my doctor at the time, and She was a new doctor, by the way. Mine had retired. And so she was brand new to me. We didn't have much of a relationship. She didn't send me back for additional screening. And in hindsight, she should have because we would have detected my cancer before it was the size of a golf ball. Wow! I went through eight rounds of chemo, not every three weeks like you might normally do, but every two because it was such an aggressive tumor. It was growing so quickly. And then I had three surgeries and this all happened bam, in a nine-month period. So breast cancer for me was fast and furious. And just like any kind of cancer, it never comes at a good time. I was a single mom. I was six months out of a divorce, six months into a brand new job, commuting from Fort Worth to Dallas and raising 13-year-old twin girls and selling my home at the time. Yeah, nothing on your
0: plate, right?
3: nothing on my plate. So that was my first experience. So I had the, the chemo. I opted for a double mastectomy and reconstructive surgery because I didn't want to worry about this coming back on. It was on my left side. I don't want to worry about it coming back on my right down the road. Right. So I just said, you know what, <laughs> let's just get a clean slate and start all over again. So right. Based on that experience, I tell people about that letter and that law all the time because it's super important that women understand what dense breast tissue means. Mm-hmm.
0: You say that, Beth, because when you and I was talking about this podcast and what we really wanted to make sure the message was, I didn't know that until you told me that. Really? things means I also may have not gotten a letter. I had no idea. So I am I was so excited when you told me about it because like, I'm not sure that's out there. I'm not sure people know that. Do people know that? And when you were talking about it, it's like, well, let's talk about it on the show.
3: Yes, and I called Henda and I said, Henda, why didn't my doctor do something with this letter? You know, And why don't I know about this? And she said, I'm gonna be real honest with you, Beth. Doctors don't like to spend time with patients discussing this law and talking about dense breast tissue because it's just extra time. in the doctor's office. And sadly, that's not the way our system runs medically. It's get you in, get you out. So that's why it's really important. And I learned at that time, so important to understand your body, be proactive when it comes to your screenings. And also, if you get into a situation like me, learn everything you can. Because while I loved my doctors that treated me during breast cancer. I also learned that I needed to be an advocate for my health and I needed to be an advocate during my treatment as well. I opted not to have radiation. And I said to my breast surgeon, I said, how can I avoid radiation? He said, don't see a radiologist. (laughs) And I was like, okay, well, (laughs) that makes sense. But it is important that we be educated And it is important that we be proactive. And so fast forward in 2018, I had gotten married. I now have not two kids. I have five in a blended family. A year and a half into my marriage, my husband suffered a very rare stroke in his spinal cord, which left him disabled. So I now am a very busy working mom trying to help my husband through what he's going through and manage five kids. I was really tired. I had no idea I was anemic. That was the only symptom I had for my second cancer was anemia. So what happened? They sent me back to the infusion room where I had chemo and they started giving me iron infusions. Mm-hmm. And I'll be real honest. I met my <laughs> Botox doctor one day and he likes to call himself my paint and body guy. And I'm getting <laughs> Botox and he says, hey, how's everything going? I'm like, well, I'm, I'm anemic. I don't feel good. And he says, tell me more. And he said, they're putting a Band-Aid on your problem, Beth. You've got a leak. They need to find the leak and quit stopping it up with iron infusions. And so he said, what have you done? and i said all these screenings and he said you need an endoscopy well that saturday morning i'm at baylor getting an iron infusion and the nurse says hey i haven't seen you here before what's your story and i tell her and she goes have you had an endoscopy and i said no but you're the second person who says i need an endoscopy so I called my primary care, I said, I want an endoscopy. Sure enough, I woke up from that only to find out I had a racquetball sized tumor in my stomach and one week later they removed it. It was wow. growing so fast, it was moving towards my esophagus. Had we waited two more weeks, they would have had to completely redesign my digestive tract. So timing is everything. I was super sick, I was supposed to be there one night. I ended up being there five days, had four blood transfusions, four iron transfusion and a calcium transfusion because my levels were so low. And when I left the hospital, I said, okay, I'm a little confused. I've been a little dazed and sick. Is this cancer? This tumor? Is this cancer? He was like, it is. You need to see an oncologist. Two oncologists in Dallas wanted to put me on a 10-year chemo pill. I went to MD Anderson, and she was a specialist in my particular tumor, otherwise known as a GIST. She said, you don't need chemo, Beth. You need surveillance over the next five to 10 years. And I was like, you're my doctor. (laughs) If I don't need chemo under you, you're my doctor. And so again, it was just another situation of having to be an advocate for your health and for your treatment. And so had I stuck with the doctors in Dallas, I still would have been on a chemo pill that in hindsight, I did not need. Here I am 2023 and I'm fine. And no, I, I get CT scans all the time and I am clean as a whistle.
0: Isn't that wonderful? I, what I want to make sure that we talk about and just make sure we accentuate, I guess, a better word for it is, you know, you had a story. You had, mm-hmm. I just spoke with Leslie and she said, listen, a lot of people think they rest on their laurels that, oh, I don't have cancer in my family, so I'm pretty good. But mm-hmm. you, you got to get the screenings because she, she said, I was the first one in my family to get cancer. So you can wow. get it, even if it's yeah. not your family. I heard that really well on the, on, from you and from her is that screenings. And listening to your body, doing the right thing, preventive care is the best things we can do for all women. Mm-hmm. I do want to talk more about a couple of things, but also when you and I were talking about just this in general, we were both talking about you know being afraid to talk about it. What mm-hmm. does it mean? Because cancer is a scary word in itself. And right. I would also say that from when you had it up to 2023, they've made so many more improvements on the care for breast cancer and other types of cancer. Absolutely. So don't listen to someone's story that happened to him in 2002 because there's a lot of different things that have happened and keep happening. Mm-hmm. But one of the things I thought was really interesting when I was talking to you about it, just, you know, over conversation, you said, be your own advocate, LaVonda. No one else is going to do this for you. And it's not that doctors are bad or good, but if you something doesn't sound right, listen to your gut. Get a Mm -hmm. second opinion.
3: And I heard that loud and clear from you. Absolutely. I mean, I loved my doctors, like I said, but at the same time, they don't live with me every day. They don't know what my symptoms are. They don't know what my history is, per se. You know, think of all the times you go to the doctor and you leave and you go, oh, I forgot to tell him this. Or I forgot to tell them this runs in my family. Or I forgot to tell them on this medication. I mean, you know yourself better than anyone. And at the end of the day, when it comes to treatment, you do get to make decisions. I mean, first of all, you get to decide if you're even going to fight cancer, right? That's the first decision. Am I going to show up for this battle? I decided I was going to show up. I was only 45 years old. I had a family. But they, like you said, have made so many advances in treatment that I'm a big advocate of getting more than one opinion. Yeah, I really am. I mean, no matter how much you love your doctor, another doctor down the road is going to have a different approach. And the more you know, the more people you talk to, the more obvious it becomes which path you need to take.
0: And something else we talked about is not being afraid to talk about it at work, because Mm -hmm. one of the things Leslie said to me today was, you know, Vonda, I was encouraged by other story. It gave me hope. Uh, but I also was encouraged just by, you know, when they would say, hey, I've been thinking of you, I needed that. And not being afraid of what life looks like at work, not being right. afraid to say I have a disease right now and I'm I'm going to work through it. So let's talk a little bit about that and how we can be better, you know, help people be better no matter where they work, but even our own company, how we make sickness, a disease mm-hmm. or a diagnosis, not something we should be ashamed of or afraid of.
3: Right, and I think the shame part is probably what hits people first, because we all want to appear strong and capable and intelligent in the workplace. And all of a sudden you feel weak. You're like, oh my gosh, I mean, I've got something that's bigger than me. It's bigger than anything in my life. And I've got to tackle it if I'm going to get back to being me. So a lot of folks are just not comfortable talking about it in the workplace. But like you said, that's really the first place you need to talk about it. Because if all of a sudden you're out on appointments a lot, or you're not feeling as well, or maybe you need to work remotely that day, your company needs to understand what's going on with you so that they can help you. And believe me, if they're a company worth working for, they will work with you. If you don't get that from your employer, that is your sign that you may not be in the best place for you. Because cancer is so prevalent in our society these days, because we have so many coworkers either going through it themselves or family members that are battling it, we've got to rally around one another. I mean, this isn't going away, and we're detecting it at younger and younger ages because our treatment and our, our screenings have become so much more advanced. So we need to get used to talking about it. We right. don't need to be afraid. And, and if you're rejected, it's probably time for you to find a new place.
0: I totally agree. I do want to just talk real quickly again about the breast cancer, the breast tissue dense letter you should mm-hmm. receive. I just yes. want to make sure that the people who may be listening to this, especially for our own women who may be working here, what do they need to make sure that they're asking for? Do they need to ask for, hey, I want to make sure that you're telling me about this. I know it's a law. But do they need to say something to their their doctor? I want to be tested for breast you know density test.
3: That's a great question. Um my first question when I got the letter was, wait a minute, this came from Solus. This is where I got my mammogram. And when I was talking to Henda, she explained to me that no matter where you get your screening, all imaging centers are required by law to send that letter to you. A letter, not an email, a letter based on the address that you have given them. So make sure your information is up to date. It might look like an ad when it comes through. I mean, you might just go, oh, Solace, I've already been there and throw it away, thinking it's something that's not important. Open your mail, pay yeah. attention. And when you get that letter, it will be personal. Your name will be on it. It will say the date of your screening. And as a result, you have dense breast tissue and it'll go on to explain what you need to do next. If in like in my situation, your doctor says, oh, that's very typical. Don't worry about it stop. That is not the correct answer. And I'll be honest, I had some words with my doctor about six months into my treatment. I was not happy that she did not send me back for screening. And I let her know, I guarantee you, she won't make that mistake with future patients. You be proactive. You say, no, I want this. I want 3D or ultrasound or whatever it is that they're offering. But don't throw that letter away. It could save your life. And when you get that letter, show it to your friends, make sure they understand what you're talking about, because it does hit about 50% of women. That's a lot of women who are getting mammograms and they're looking for a snowball in a snowstorm. And it's a waste of time and it's a waste of mimicking. So you just want to make sure, I mean, knowledge is power. Totally
0: right. Well, that's one Mm -hmm. of the things I was really happy with this podcast when we started talking about is just, How do we make sure that people's stories are told? Because there are stories, lots of stories out there, but also stories that not everyone is the same. Everyone's story is a little bit different. But the one common factor through everyone was get your screenings, Mm -hmm. go have preventative care, listen to your body, and be an advocate for your own health.
3: Yes. And I will tell you, it's hitting more and more people. The older I get, the more people I know go down this path. And I will just say, as an aside, I have a family member recently who was diagnosed with acute myeloid leukemia, and he was two weeks late for his normal blood work and his normal appointment with his internist. And fortunately for him, he was two weeks late because AML comes on quickly. That's why it's called acute. His blood work was the only thing that showed leukemia. He felt fantastic. He was shocked when he found out he had leukemia, and now he's in the fight for his life. But had he not gone and gotten his annual appointment and had his blood work done... He would not have known it until it was too late. So what we don't want to do is we don't want to put things off because we're busy driving our kids around. We're busy with appointments. We feel guilty if we have to take off two hours from work to go an appointment. No, 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 no. You got to let that go because if yeah. you're not here, you won't be making any games. You won't be making any appointments. You have to prioritize those appointments and those screenings on a yearly basis and do it like clockwork it will it will it could save your life truly
0: i love that well thank you beth thanks for sharing your story and thank you for you know just emphasizing what we may know what in our heads we know but we mm-hmm. don't always do and i think the one thing i'll bring from our conversation is to your point two hours off to take a test to go get something done is better than not ever being able to do it so i'm going to encourage anyone who's listening to our podcast beth and i are on a mission to make sure that the people who work at Veritex Bank know uh, our own family that we have here. That we are providing education around it. We're providing how to get there. We don't want anyone to miss those preventative care appointments that may, to your point, be a lifesaver, right? Mm-hmm. And, Absolutely. And to never, never give up. Cancer is a fight, and it is. you can't go into it. You can't go into it about weakness. You have to fight. So
3: well. And I will tell you, and and a lot of people who have been down this journey will tell you, cancer was the best thing that ever happened to me. It personally was, I do not regret it, not once, not twice. It really changed my perspective on life, on how to get out there and live every day, on the fragility of life and how we need to appreciate it. But also, it just gave me such great purpose. And I'm yeah. so grateful. And I hope that if anyone finds themselves in the same situation, either personally or with a loved one or with a friend, that you can find the life in the darkness but because believe me there is always light there
0: that's wonderful thank you Beth. thanks for being on the show today such a fun conversation to have with you and i really appreciate your purpose and making sure people know about education for themselves thank you so much
3: thanks lavanda
0: I'd like to thank all of my guests today for sharing their story what have we learned
3: it is important that we be educated and it is important that we be proactive
1: just trust have faith and hold on if you can walk it with a village do it good to talk about your health to others that love you serve others and we
0: want to serve others through integrity together we stand thanks for listening